Osiris. Hi, I'm Lara Bennett, and you're listening to Highway Butterfly, the stories of Neil Casal. Neil was a gifted singer, songwriter, musician, and friend to many. He released 14 albums as a solo artist and collaborated on countless projects with other musicians. After his passing in 2019, his friends and family created the Neil Casal Music Foundation to provide instruments and music lessons to students in New York and New Jersey and to support organizations that offer musicians mental health care. One of the featured projects of the newly formed foundation is the tribute album, Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal, a sprawling 41-song collection bringing together a galaxy of rock and roots luminaries. We've asked the contributing musicians to share their memories of Neil and their stories of making the record. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal is out now. Purchase the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for joining. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great, Rachel. We're here today to talk about Neil Casal. Can you tell us how you first met Neil? I met Neil back in 2006. It was kind of an interesting situation. I was putting a show together, a benefit show and for charity. And I kind of came to Neil through Ryan Adams. Neil didn't end up doing the show. It was too crazy. He was living in New York at the time, but that's how we kind of um, made our first connection. And then just like a month later, he was in LA and came up to me at a club and was like, Hey, you're Rachel. And that was the, that was that we, um, we ran into each other like a night later at one of Jonathan Wilson's um, little Canyon jams. And uh, he took this really great picture of me that night. And that's kind of how we started really talking after that. He sent it to me. And that picture ended up in this really great um, show that he did in Japan, which was oh, wow. Not, yeah, it was this black and white photo. It was really still one of my favorites. That's amazing. Do you have a copy yeah. of it? Not a hard copy. The one that he printed for that show was massive. It was like, I think it was like life size. It was really big. So he didn't even bring it home. But yeah, I have the digital copy. That is really cool. And then you became friends from there? Yes. We stayed in touch, you know, and used to hang out all the time. And that was, you know, 2007 at that point. And used to come out and we used to take trips out to Joshua Tree, which is where I live now because I was obsessed with it. And he was too. <laughs> Um, and jump up and play with the house band at Pappy's, which I later became a part of. Um, so yeah, it was it was special. It was really cool. That's amazing. I wanted to go back to uh, you reaching out to him at the tribute concert. So you had heard him play with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. Um, were you familiar with his solo work at that point, or when did you hear that? That's how I became familiar with his solo work was when we had that conversation. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I I started checking out his music and you know obviously he's such a beautiful songwriter it was it was really something great to discover so rachel you covered so far astray which was from neil's 2009 album roots and wings so yes. i wanted to take a pause and listen to it here we go always been a precious little dog
songs on that album why did you choose to cover it oh I've always loved that song I remember specifically when Neil showed me that record after he had recorded most of it and was in town with Ryan Adams for a show or actually I think he was on tour and and um we were in Claremont I believe and uh we sat in the car and listened to that whole record and that song really stuck out to me it was just wow it was kind of a upbeat and light with a heavy subject line <laughs> so typical a lot of a lot of neil songs i mean you know some of them are slow with a heavy subject line that one was kind of lighter and and i i really liked it a lot it's a great one and you actually sing on the album roots and wings isn't that right yes on the cold and the darkness and it was just a little bit of singing, but it meant the world to me. Neil had recorded most of that in New York. And he came back to L.A. because he wanted, you know, his East Coast and West Coast friends on that record. So he came back to L.A. and recorded it in my friend Kenny Woods and Josh Warch's old studio. And, yeah, I know the Rademakers and Richard Gowan and myself all had a little piece I think some others too that's an amazing song as well and, and that's one of my favorite albums they're all kind of favorites but uh yeah Tim uh, Heidecker's version is pretty mind-blowing on the tribute album yeah I love, I love that he did that <laughs> and tonight I'll burn a candle for another and I'll lean in for the picture I wish that you could see me as I see myself I be myself with you when the cold and the darkness are too much to bear you've seen traces but nothing's there you've been trying as hard as you can to find the Yeah, kind of wild that that happened and worked out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so let's take a pause and listen to a clip of your version of Sequestrate.
So what can you tell us about recording that version at Plyer Studio? That was, um, it was really, really magical. It was crazy because, you know, they had been recording and we had talked about a date. And then, of course, COVID really hit hard and everything kind of came to a halt. And I think we were the first ones back in the studio when we started emerging again and they started getting getting all that stuff going again. Tim and I brought our dogs out to this, you know, the studio and, and got a hotel room out there. And it was really great. We had such a cool crew with us. I really wanted, you know, all my friends to be, you know, as much of a part of it as they could. And so Farmer Dave and Lauren and Adam McDougall. And then it was really cool. Ted Russell Camp and Jamie Douglas, who's the rhythm, rhythm section for Shooter Jennings. Those guys came in were the rhythm section for us which was super great. And even John Grayboff, who wasn't there for the recording, put some Grayboff touches <laughs> on it after that. So, and that studio is magical. It's so cool. It is it's a pretty magical place. And I know John yeah. Grayboff really, really loves your version. And he kind of mm-hmm. said something like it was his, you know, it fit his vision for that song that he had a while back of it being almost like a, like a Ronette sort of, kind of a 1950s feel to it and yeah it's it's really different and it's just really unique and you did a great job making it your own thank you I love that John said that that means so much to me (laughs) you know I had met John back when Neil was playing with with Ryan and it was really you know John and I got along really well and uh we'd always hang out and 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 talk after the shows and go get drinks and stuff. And it was super cool that Neil brought him on my record that he produced a while back. I mean, John was living in New York at the time, but he agreed to play on it. And Neil sent him the tracks and that just, you know, at my core, I'm just a nerdy fan. So it meant the world to me. I didn't realize that he was on record. And that was actually what I was going to bring up was your solo album, Indian Summer, that Neil produced. And I know uh, that he worked really closely with you on that. So tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. um, You know, that there was no real big plans to make that record. It kind of just came about because of a couple different conversations and things that didn't happen. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, I guess I'm making this record. I talked to Neil about it right from the get-go and he said, yeah, you know, I'm touring and traveling because he was playing with CRB at the time. And he's like, but you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll make the time. I'll, you know, whenever I'm in LA. So we did that and we ended up working with Rob Campanella, who I love so much. And his studio is also really fun, kind of a homey vibe because it's in his home. And yeah, Neil, you know, it ended up turning into a producer role. I don't know if that's what he was planning. I think he was planning on just playing it, playing on it, but he kind of, you know, took control, which I totally love and appreciate. And he started um, mapping out all the songs and Richard Gowan also played on that and Rob Douglas. And it was just really special. He played guitar on it. He sang on it. He even took the photos for the, uh, for the cover. That's really special. Yeah. He also uh, played some guitar on your most recent 
album that you released last year with uh, Starlight Cleaning Co. Yes. What can you tell us about that guitar line? Yeah, he played on, uh, you know, we had a couple songs and we kept thinking that it, they would just be perfect with Neil's guitar on them. The main one is a song called The Race. And uh, we sent him the tracks and he actually pulled off. I think he was on tour with um, Circles Around the Sun and he had a day off in, I believe, Pennsylvania somewhere and went into his studio and spent the day recording guitar. I mean, are you kidding me? (laughs) He was the best, truly. that is so awesome and that record is awesome and i think we can probably uh maybe listen to a clip of that song the rape Congrats on releasing that, by the way. Thank you. Um, I want to know a little bit more about like your friendship um, and like some of these Joshua tree- trips. And I'm, I'm sure you have dozens of stories. Does anything come to mind in particular? Oh, there's so many stories. Gosh, there's so, so many. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite Neil stories that I like to tell, and I should have prepared myself and like had a few lined up but the one that always comes to me and makes me smile is when we were making that record and Andy Dick showed up off the street (laughs) did I ever tell you that one uh yeah I think I remember hearing this now but you need to tell it again (laughs) he used to tell it so much better than I could ever tell it but yeah we um we were in the middle of a session and we had all agreed on the fact that we wouldn't bring friends this day because we were going to do um, guitar over dubs and, and stuff. So no friends. We were just sitting there. And it, Rob's studio is in the basement of his home. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a basement or a second floor, but it's under, you know, it's under the main level. And we were sitting there and Neil was in the middle of a solo. And all of a sudden, Andy Dick comes down with a gigantic... 7-Eleven massive plastic cup filled with some sort of cocktails. (laughs) And he was staggering back and forth. And 
he just stood there in the hallway and we, you know, Neil just kept playing. He didn't stop playing and the part was over. And then when he stopped, we were just looking around the room like, didn't we say no friends? Like who brought Andy Dick in, in today? And apparently he had wandered in off the street because it is a residential neighborhood and he was probably partying or something at somebody's house the night before and I don't know woke up and just started walking down the street he let himself into the house he went into the kitchen and made a cocktail we found orange juice and vodka on the counter later wow (laughs) and and just walked down the stairs and when we asked him how you know, he got there. He said, I just followed the music. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it took us a long time to get him out of there that day, too. It was crazy. We had, Rob <laughs> How had did you get him out of <laughs> Rob had to get him in a cab and literally put him in the cab. <laughs> Neil actually took a bunch of pictures. We were like, you know, taking pictures through the window and out the door when we finally got him out of there. And there's some funny black and white shots of that. I'll have to share with oh you. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Story. And like, so unbelievable. Just what are the odds of it being Andy Dick? And I know. Well, but yeah, I guess that's I mean, high praise. <laughs> Drew Andy Dick in off the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But we, I mean, you know, Neil and I had a lot of fun adventures. We, <laughs> We used to come to the desert a lot when he was still living in New York, but would come into town, go to Pappy's. And I know there was this guy named Ted Quinn who lives out here in Joshua Tree, is an amazing songwriter. And I knew him separately from Neil. And Neil had covered some of his songs and which and he just did these beautiful covers and uh, they had never met before. So one of those Sunday night times um ted was in town and i told him i was going to be bringing neil and the two of them got to meet and play a little music and it was really special that is so cool he also introduced me well Corey williams wow who i didn't i mean i knew her i met her i didn't know what what she was all about he found out i was hanging out with her and he goes do you even know like anything about her and i said no she's just my kooky desert friend out here. I love her. I stayed at her house. And he's like, oh, man. He went to Amoeba, and we met up later that day at a restaurant, and he brought me an Amoeba bag with a bunch of Victoria Williams records. Oh. It's kind of like, oh, crap. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm really curious as to how Neil Ted's music before meeting him. Do you know? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how he discovered it, but he sent me, you know, the Ted song and then his cover. And he's like, do you know this guy? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I remember looking, um, I was looking at um, the back of that. There's a seven inch um, that was released. Yeah, right before I wish to reminisce and um, it's You Don't See Me Crying on is the A side and the B side is Tar Beach, which was written by Ted. And I knew Ted and I was looking, I was like, Ted Quinn, that can't be my Ted Quinn. And of course it was because the desert is very small and so is California <laughs> and the world. But yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful song and Neil definitely uh, did it justice. Yeah, absolutely. 
That's great. So speaking of Victoria Williams, uh, you organized a beautiful tribute concert for Neil and Victoria sang, and it was like the West Coast companion to the East Coast Memorial. And first of all, huge props for pulling that off in such a beautiful you know, way that really honored him. Um, what was that like and how did you do it? Because I'm sure it was really challenging at the time. It actually was therapeutic for me at the time because I was, you know, pretty messed up over um, losing Neil and it gave me something, something positive to kind of focus on. Um, you know, he wrote in the letter that he wanted a party and I knew they were throwing him one in, in New York. And so I knew a lot of people weren't able to go to that one, you know, on the West Coast. And I just, he had that whole, his whole West Coast crew of friends too. So I wanted to do something where, you know, all those people were involved and, and do something special over here for him. Yeah, well, you really um, did something amazing. So congrats Thank on that. You. I wasn't there, but I listened to the recording and yeah, it's really, you know, great to hear all those friends honoring him. And I'm sure it was really meaningful for everyone involved. Yeah, it was really special and having Dawn there, you know, and like having Jonathan Wilson and Jonathan Rice and, and Andy, you know, it just, there, there was just so many little parts of it that came together kind of naturally, you know, I just put calls out and everybody kind of, cause I was in the desert, you know, everybody was kind of mm-hmm. having their rehearsals and doing everything. And it was, it really kind of came together on its own the way it right. was supposed to. Yeah. And it makes sense that, you know, Neil had a bicoastal life and, you know, he collaborated with so many people um, on both coasts. So um, it makes, makes sense to, you know, get, get the people on the West coast, um, to be able to be involved as well. I'm sure they really enjoyed that. Um, So last time we talked, you shared a little secret story about one of your tattoos. Do you remember what I'm talking about? My Neil tattoo? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a tattoo for Neil and it was a tattoo that he wanted to get. Um, Neil as I'm sure a lot of us know, has had a massive fear commitment. <laughs> and he um, he wanted to get an old tattoo covered up with a scarlet begonia. He went to um, an old friend of mine who is a tattoo artist and I sat there with him and she had drawn it up and she was like, you know, getting prepping his, his I think it was on his, arm or his back I gotta remember um but she was prepping everything and you know had it ready to go the guns buzzing like and he he just gently asked so can I go surfing after this (laughs) and she was like no no not not for a little while and he goes okay well maybe I shouldn't do this right now and I was like oh man so I actually sat in that chair and got <laughs> my own tattoo and then <laughs> which I'd been wanting and it was, had already been started so it wasn't a big deal but um, then a, God, a, a while later probably almost 10 years later he um, 
went out to this guy, Jeremy, in the Bay Area, wanting the same tattoo and getting it drawn up and prepared and then canceled that appointment too. So I <gasps> thought I, I wanted to get something for Neil and, um, and I figured that's the thing to get. I'll make the commitment he couldn't make. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I, got, I got that one with the little NC. Uh -oh. On it. <laughs> That's crazy. Like I, I need to think about it for another ten years, and I'm still not sure about it. <laughs> well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing all these amazing stories. Is there anything else about Neil that you want to remember share with the world? Oh, he is just you know the most beautiful soul and amazing, talented songwriter, and I felt really lucky to you know just be in his presence. He was, you know, a lot of different things to me. He was a close friend and he was a mentor and, you know, we had a lot of love for each other and I, you know, I will hold him close to my heart forever. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate your yeah. time. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Backline, the music industry's mental health and wellness resource hub. Launched in 2019, Backline gives artists, crews, and their families quick and easy access to mental health and wellness resources. Backline provides individuals with case management and offers virtual support groups as well as yoga, meditation, and breath work. To donate, learn more, or get in touch for personalized care, visit backline.care. That's B-A-C-K-L-I-N-E dot C-A-R-E. Highway Butterfly, The Songs of Neil Casal is out now. Purchase the album and learn more at neilcasalmusicfoundation.org. Osiris.